He shows us the way we are to live. And you follow Jesus. Literally, do what he says. Value what he values. Prioritize how he prioritizes. Love how he would love. View people how he views people. When you follow Jesus, you're supposed to change. of the Lord today. Um, it has been a busy weekend for us here at Trinity. Uh, how many here, are there anybody here that helped yesterday with Dia del Nino? Yeah, we got a few. It was great. It was wonderful. We had a, a little over a thousand people out here on this campus right here uh, yesterday. I'm coming in. Yeah, it was great. Well, we had oh, what's almost 1,200 uh, guests and then a few hundred people that vendors and workers and stuff. So it was a really great, it was a great day just to proclaim the word of God um, and love on people from our community well. Um, it was neat, even hearing stories from uh, the prayer, that we had like a little prayer table and uh, Hilda was leading some of that. It was awesome just hearing what God's doing. Uh, love it, love that you guys are here. I want to encourage you again. We talked about this last week. I want to do it again this week. If you would grab the Next Steps card, they're in the back of the chair in front of you. If you would pull that out, just tear one off, not tear it up, but tear it off and to grab a hold of it. And I want to thank you so much. I mean, again, those that are watching online, we love you. We know we have a lot of people that do the online thing. Uh, thank you so much, man, for participating in us. When you fill out that Next Steps card, it comes to us as a church. And I remember a number of years ago, we were doing the Next Steps cards, uh, man, almost every week for quite a while. And um, there was a lady that would fill it out writing a prayer for her family. Every week, every week, every week, every week. And I remember uh, at one point, I mean, it had been months and months, same prayer every week on the Next Steps card written by hand every week for her family. And I remember at one point, I don't know if it was Barbara or, or uh, my wife, Leslie, but somebody would bring the card in after a number of weeks, just as like, hey, a reminder, Mike, this is really heavy on somebody's heart. And she would set it right in the middle of my desk. So I'd come in in the morning, I'd open up my door and I'd sit down at my desk and right in the middle of it, I would read her handwriting with a prayer for her family that was lost and needed Jesus. And I remember at one point I was looking at the card and I sat at my desk and I just cried. And I thought, man, you know, like the widow just calling out to the Lord relentlessly, God, hear our prayers. And so when you fill out these cards, whether it's making a decision to follow Jesus or wanting to be baptized or you've been in the church for a long time and you just have a prayer request for somebody you love, you need to know you mobilize the bigger church, including us as a team. When we know what's going on in your life, we want to know and we want to pray for you and you matter a ton to us. And so thank you so much for filling those out last week. Please continue to do so as God works in your heart, even through this message, take the time, man, just to write down what God is doing in, in your heart. And then at the end, you can bring those forward and drop them off when you do communion. 
Uh, man, I, I encourage you again, we are going to study the Bible out of the uh, ESV version, and we're memorizing out of the NIV, and we're doing it for a reason. If you want to know what that is, you can watch last week's sermon. I go into detail on it. But there is a purpose why we study out of one and we memorize out of another. You can use multiple translations of the Bible. It's okay. It's okay. You're okay. It's good to do. Uh, and there are innate benefits to different versions as well. And so you can go back and watch last week. We go into detail of why we are doing it this way. Why we're doing it this way. Today is going to be uh, an old school exegetical Bible sermon. I love them. The, today is going to be one of those sermons. If you grew up in the church, how many people here have been in the church for like more than 30, 40 years? Oh yeah. So if you grew up in the church, that's right, up here, you guys are 20 and you've been in the church for 40 years. That's impressive. Um, but if you have a, I love you all so much. Uh, so a lot of these, a lot of these guys, are, they feel called to ministry if you don't know. And so uh, I actually had lunch with them yesterday. It's going to be great. Future pastors in the front row. I'm all right with that. And uh, there's like five people that are happy about it. That's cool. Um, if you grew up in the church years ago and you went to like a small country church and you had one of those, I mean, fiery passionate, exegetical Bible preacher pastors, today is going to remind you of that just a little bit, where you let the word speak the strength that is innate in it, right? Like the Bible is powerful, and we have been so immersed in seeker-sensitive services for so long, it almost feels offensive when you literally let the strength of the Bible speak for itself to some people. And so today, bear with me, if you are younger and you've not been in kind of one of those stronger churches uh, where you just let the Word of God do what the Word of God can do as it divides, um, as it pierces to the bone, uh, today is going to be one of those messages. So with that in mind, uh, let's begin the offending people. I love you. I love you very much. Pastor loves you. I believe, I just want to put this on the screen for you. I believe the biggest problem with Christianity today is that its adherents think all it takes is saying, I believe God exists. Hang on just a second. It is true. There is a, an apologetic piece to Christianity, right? There are atheists and agnostics out there. And there is an important step towards following Jesus that begins with us admitting that God's out there. But let me be really clear. Um, in the scripture, it even says that even the demons believe and tremble. So that even the demons, even the demons, Satan himself already acknowledges that God exists and is scared of him. And respects him, right? Like, it takes more than just admitting that God exists. And somehow in our modern day and age, it's almost like we're going about our life. And if you could convince your neighbor or friend to go, okay, okay, God's there. It's like, sweet, we're done. We got it. This guy's in. Not yet. Turn to your neighbor and say, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. I believe the biggest problem with Christianity today is that its adherents think all it takes is saying, I believe God exists. They need to understand the Bible says, now let me just give you straight scripture. Here's what the Bible, the Bible says. This is not Mike. 
I mean, I'm saying it, but I'm quoting scripture. Here's what the Bible actually says. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Matthew 16, 24 through 26. All right, now what about the Passion Translation? I get that the ESV, the way it's worded, it's great for Bible study, but sometimes the ESV is kind of hard because the way it's worded isn't as colloquial, easy-sounding, common language as today. So let's say it again in the Passion Translation. Real easy, real common language, Extra, extra easy to, to understand what it means. Are you ready for this? Then Jesus said to his disciples, if you truly want to follow me, you should at once completely reject and disown your own life. Thanks for coming to church. Love that you're here. <laughs> Part of it. And you must be willing to share my cross. I mean, think about that, sacrificing for another to the point where you feel it and it hurts. Share my cross and my experience and experience it as your own as you continually surrender to my ways. For if you choose to self-sacrifice and lose your lives for my glory, you will continually discover true life. But if you choose to keep your lives for yourselves, you will forfeit what you try to keep. I mean, here's the crazy thing about the Bible, and, and I love you, pastor loves you, I love you. Um, I so bad in my heart last night. I was in tears as I was looking at my notes yet again for today. I so bad in my heart. I want you to find and walk in life to the full. I want you to experience the rich presence of a living God that restores and renews. Man, that gives you hope beyond anything this broken world could ever take away from you. I want you to lean into life itself so bad I want this for you. And the truth is, when you lean into life, you're going to have to let go of some things too. I mean, the truth is, the actual words of Jesus are offensive and silly to people that think they are above it. 1 Corinthians 1.18, right? They just are. They are. To people that think that they are above the Bible, it just seems silly. It seems silly. What we find in the text, and this is important, is over 130 times in the Old Testament, the phrase, fear the Lord, fear the Lord. 
In the New Testament, you see the phrase Jesus saying, follow me, follow me, follow me. The fear of the Lord of the Old Testament, we've talked about this a lot, literally means like deep, deep respect. And we're going to talk about that a little more here in a few minutes. And in the New Testament, the idea of Jesus, it's like, man, Jesus did all the work of salvation. So we don't earn it. We don't have the strength or ability to work for our salvation. But from his salvific work, he shows us the way we are to live. And you follow Jesus, literally. Do what he says. Value what he values. Prioritize how he prioritizes. Love how he would love. View people how he views people. When you follow Jesus, you're supposed to change. You're supposed to change. Being made new, awakening to a new way of viewing others, a new way of viewing even yourself, a new way of viewing the world around you, stepping into a new level, man, of priority, a new level of how you view sex, money, your job, work, absolutely everything. You lean into the life and the ways of Jesus. In fact, uh, St. Augustine, the way he talks about it, I'm going to re-metaphor it a little bit because it's actually excellent, but I think it's a little complex for a Sunday morning service. So bear with me. St. Augustine believes that all sin is mere privation. And what he means by that, so imagine with me that I was to start a little campfire on the stage. I'm not actually going to do this. It'd be a bad idea. I start a little campfire on the stage. And imagine this campfire is like in a vast emptiness like desert emptiness every direction you look. And what you do is at the campfire, you lean, the more you lean into the campfire, the more warm you get. And the more you step away from the campfire, the colder and the more dark it gets. And the way St. Augustine talks about sin is sin is not a separate thing. It is merely the absence of what is good. Like darkness is the absence of light. So like sin is... Loneliness is the absence of good, healthy relationships. Hunger is the absence of food meant to satisfy. And so the way that St. Augustine talks about sin is you only have, will I lean in towards the campfire or will I choose to step into the darkness to the nothingness, just walk away, to lean into privation, to lean. So you either have lean into satisfy, lean into family, lean into relationship, lean into wholeness, or you have begin to lean into darkness, lean into hunger, lean into emptiness, lean into lostness, lean into loneliness. There aren't 25 roads and God happens to be one. There is only leaning into life itself or leaning into death. There's nothing else. Now you can lean into death a million ways. But it's all the same thing. It's all leaning into privation as he would say it. Now old school, old school sermon, right? Old school. The idea of salvation that we see in the Bible over and over again is salvation is singular and it's costly. 
John 3, 16, 1 John 2, 7, Matthew 16, 24 through 26, salvation is singular and costly. Another good way to create metaphor for this, um, and, and all of this is so important because the scripture you're about to memorize, if you don't have this context in mind, you're going to easily misapply it. Maybe another good metaphor. Did anybody here see the movie Titanic? I almost saw the whole thing. Um, I tried to watch the whole thing a couple of times, but I always fall asleep. Uh, I don't know why, just it's, it, all the love scenes is just... Uh, but I've almost watched the whole thing a couple of times. And um, in it, if you remember, the sinking of the ship, that keeps me awake. Uh, but if you remember in the movie, right? Like if you remember in the movie, when the ship, the Titanic, first starts to sink, like take on water... All the like worker, hard worker, the, you know, the, the non-wealthy, it's like they're coming up, they're like, the boat's sinking, the boat's sinking, and all these people that are partying, having a great time, they're like, nah, whatever. They're just ignoring the advice, right? The idea here is very simple. There weren't multiple ways to survive the sinking of the Titanic. There aren't. There's one. There's one way to. You abandon your parties, abandon your indulgences, abandon your pride, from these poor people telling you to get in the boat and you stop what you're doing, you get in the boat. That's the only way. Right? Like there's a million ways that you could live the party life on the Titanic. You could spend it in the bar getting drunk. You could be doing inappropriate things with people in a room. You could be doing drugs in the basement. You could be just dancing and having a lighter time that's not truly fully sin. There's a million things that you could be doing on the boat, living life. But the truth is, the whole thing is going under. And if you don't abandon whatever million random ways that you are and get in the lifeboat, you're not going to make it. This is a great metaphor for how salvation is talked about. There's a million roads that you can walk in this life, a million things that you can do, but there's only one way that you're going to survive this, and it is leaning into the ways and life and work of Jesus Christ. That's it. There's no other way. That's what the Bible actually teaches. The world and its ways are leading to death. And there is only one way out. Follow Jesus. That's what the Bible actually shares. And it is offensive. This is why people don't like it. They want to get to heaven. Most people, most of your friends that are kind of halfway in church, they want to get to heaven by saying, I believe God exists, but I want to do my own thing, my own way, all of my life. That's not a road to heaven. Even the demons believe and tremble, it says in Scripture. You don't merely admit that God is a thing, and then you're in. Something has to happen in your heart. Maybe a really clear way to say it would be like this. To believe in Jesus isn't to merely say, right, to believe in Jesus, isn't to merely say he lived and he was interesting. To believe in Jesus isn't to merely say he lived and he was interesting. Like that's what maybe an academic person would do. They can know all about Jesus, but still don't have a heart for him. Jesus does, don't hear me wrong, Jesus does the saving 
of us. Like, it's all him. Jesus does the work of saving us. But you must choose to lay down your life and follow him, right? Why does this matter? Why does this matter? Because the way you are going will lead to privation. It will lead to hunger. It will lead to loneliness. With this in mind, I want to read the text that we are to memorize this week. I know it's weighty. I know it's weighty. I know it's weighty. Here's the text that we are to memorize this week. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And I'm doing it out of the NIV, so bear with me. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. All right, a couple of things from this. The first one, trust in, in all your ways. The idea here, even in linguistically, was simply this. To throw one down upon one's face before a superior ruler or king trust. So the idea in the text, like to the reader that would have read it at that time in history, the way it was worded, it would have put this image in their mind. Have you ever watched like an old school uh, movie, uh, like, you know, like one of those war movies with chariots and the big armies come in and it's like, you know, Egyptian or Mayan, whatever. They got these big like old school armies. They come in and this huge war takes place and the conquered people finally stand before the king that has won. And the people fall on their face and they basically go, all of it is yours. That's the phrase. All of it is yours. That's the phrase. All of it is yours. The idea is you have no power or real control. Uh, so go back to Augustine's idea with the, the like campfire and you're leaning into the light or you're leaning away from the light. There's no other way. Like you can't make the darkness saving Whatever kind of darkness you like, you can't make it a road that can actually save. It won't work. No matter how hard you try to make whatever version of darkness you have, none of them can save. Only the light can. Only Christ can. All of it. I mean, think about even entropy for the people. I went through a season where I was super interested in, uh, in like astrophysics. Dude, I, I read through so many books. It was, it was really fun. I know it's super nerdy. I was in Dallas. I only had two kids at the time. I was bored. And, uh, and so I literally would get home and I was just reading through mountains, universe in a nutshell, Hawking stuff. I was going through all of that. It was really fun to read through it and study it all. And then I got really into like the quantum sciences and, and I just, man, the whole quantum entanglement I found so intriguing. So I followed that rabbit trail literally for a couple of, uh, couple of months, just reading all the stuff on quantum entanglement and how they're trying to do it. And then like quantum computing and so interesting, nothing to do with sermons at all. I just loved it. It was just fun learning for me to do. Nerd, that's right. What we find in this is that all of the universe is in a state of decay. 
all matter. Entropy is king and you can't turn it off. Every star is going to burn out. Heat death is going to take everything. All of this boat is sinking and there is no way out of it. Totally apart from Christianity and totally apart from religion. I mean, in just the science that we know today, all that we know is running out. There is an end time on everything. And the only way out of this is to latch on to something that is beyond mere material that can carry us to a new kind of reality. Listen, the Titanic is sinking. All of it. In fact, I was talking to a scholar a number of years ago. This is, this is totally just for the fun of it. And, uh, and, and he was saying, I wonder, literally, like when the rebellion happened, so the biting of the apple, which literally is metaphor to show I reject God's way, and I want my, I want to make my own way to satisfy myself. I reject God as the mechanism for satisfaction, wholeness, community, whatever, and I'm going to make my own way to satisfy myself. He's like, when death entered, he's like, I wonder if that's when entropy started. Boom, a new law covered everything, every planet, everywhere, all through space. I don't know. And what we find in this, in the strength of this language, is man, if we really are going to trust in the Lord, it must begin with acknowledging, I cannot make my own way. You have no power or real control. You can run around, be really busy, party all you want, drink all you want, drug, whatever, ignore, sleep with whoever, define the world, define your own version of reality for what it means to be a human, your own version of reality for what it means to find something. You can do all of this super busy activity you want, but the Titanic is still going to sink with you on it. Come on. And the first part of this Trust in the Lord is literally the acknowledgement. It's like raising your eyes up from the busyness of humanity and locking it on to the divine rescue of Jesus Christ himself. Amen. That's the word trust. I'm going to invite Josh up and I'm going to pull some of this together here pretty quick. He will make straight your paths. literally shows you his paths, these are his paths for you to take. They're his paths for you to take. And, and so um, what we tend to do, in fact, people that have memorized this, I've, I've had people like they're praying and they trust the Lord and they'll, they'll quote this text. But when they state it, what they're praying is, God, here is what I want. Here's the version of, like, I'm not leaning into you, I'm leaning into my selfishness or my pride or my hoarding or my pleasure or my definition of what it means to be human or my def whatever it is, whatever privation away from the truth, you're leaning away from the truth, making your own version of truth, you're leaning away from it. And people are praying, and what they're praying is, God, let the campfire of life be my darkness. Do you see it? And what we need to pray 
is not that God's life would all of a sudden make my version of right and good be okay. What we are praying is I submit my ways and my ways align with his ways. And the more I lean into his ways, the more I lean into life itself. There is only life, a million ways to walk away from the light, but there is only one light. Will you walk into it? This is the path. You might be coming from never been in a Christian home ever. You might be coming from addicted alcoholic. You might be coming from, I have no idea, gambling, lust. There are a million ways you can come to the light. But there is only one path, the polling, Augustine is right, to the light. That's it. There's only one light. Will you walk towards it? The idea of straight is really interesting. His path is the good path, the one without a false end. His path is the good path, the one without a false end. The scripture in context is not trust in the Lord and he will make things go your way. That's not what it says. The scripture is align everything you do to God's ways and your paths will align with the eternal good one. Does that make sense? You are aligning your paths with the eternal good one. That's what it means. What prevents us from taking the good path? All right, so let me just come at culture a little bit. In love, let me come at culture a little bit. Uh, First question, why does God want this for us? Um... I have the two little girls in my home. My five kids and the two little girls, the two baby girls. And when a storm comes through and the lights are all off in the house and it, boom, it hits really hard. And I hear one of my little girls, Dad! I mean, if you're, if you're a daddy, dude, it's... I actually love thunderstorms because I love to rescue my babies. It's so fun. I mean, just all out alpha male, bound up the little stairs there, running to the room, and my little six-year-old's got tears running down her face. Dad! And I lean in there, and I scoop her up. And my wife, she thinks I'm making it worse, which might be true. Uh, But I scoop her up, and I hug her, and she buries her head in there, and I'm loving on my baby. I'm like, hey, you're okay. Your daddy loves you so much. I love you so much. I don't want you to sit terrified in the dark. Do you understand that the strength of this text is because our good father doesn't want you ending up stuck, terrified in the dark for forever. It is compassion. It is love. It is care. It is intimacy that beckons you in and speaks the truth clearly. It is the love of Christ that calls us. It is because he cares so deeply. He does not want you in whatever version. He doesn't want you running into the darkness, lost and alone. He wants to scoop you up like a good father and hold you in the light. These are not texts of anger. They're texts of love. 
immeasurable, willing to let myself bleed out and die and be beaten and tortured, whatever it takes for the people that I love kind of love. What prevents us from taking these good paths? The modern mantra, follow your own heart. Thank you, Disney. That'll lead you into awful darkness. The scripture says the heart is, above all things, the heart is deceitful. Not that your heart doesn't matter, it does, but it's not your prime compass. Another reason that prevents us from really trusting when we lean into the light is we don't live like there actually is a heaven. We don't. I mean, we can't be generous like God asks us to be because we don't really live like we believe that it will all be made right in the end. We can't trust God with things like our sex or our bodies or whatever it might be. Because it's like, man, I don't want to go through this life and get to the end of it and not experience X. I don't want to go through this life and and get to the end of it and not be able to have X in my life. And we don't live. Now listen, the promise is in heaven, everything that you could possibly, the true satisfaction of the human heart is made whole. There is nothing that you will miss on this earth. Nothing that you will miss on this earth. If you lean into the light on this planet, you might miss things. But in the end, when it is all said and done before God, it is just and right and true. The phrase paradise is used over and over again. You will walk into unimaginable satisfaction if you turn from the unimaginable darkness. And if you really lived like you believed that was true, you'd have the courage to push into the light, even to the point where it looks different than culture. Live like heaven is actually coming. If you would, on your next steps card, I just want to leave you with this thought. Okay, so I'm going to put this on the screen. And I'm going to give you just a minute to finish this on your next steps card, okay? So in the weight of old school Bible preaching, I mean, guys have preached like this for hundreds of years. I, I went and I read through John Wesley's sermons. I was reading through John. I was actually at a, 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 we were waiting at a soccer game. My daughter, one of her soccer games, we were waiting for stuff to go. And so I was in the car on my phone. I was reading through John Wesley's sermon on, on uh, Christian perfection. And when you read through those old school preachers, the weight of their sermons, ah, this is old school Bible preaching. We need more of it. We need more of it in the world. And so I just want you to finish this with the weight of the reality of the love of God. With the weight of the reality of his beckon into the light. I want you to finish this phrase on your next steps card. Finish this phrase. On your next steps card, identify the things God wants you to entrust to him. I need to trust God with a future spouse. Frustration with a kid. Illness in somebody I love. You finish it. You finish it. 
And then every time you quote this verse and you memorize it, go back to the idea of I am going to lean into the light. I'm going to lean into the light. I'm going to lean into the light. And here in a minute, whenever we do communion in an act of worship, I'd like for you to bring your cards forward. And literally before you take communion, you're going to trust God. You're going to lay it before there. And then when you memorize that text, every time that text comes to mind, you remember what you are trusting to the Lord. You remember what you are trusting to the Lord. You remember what you are trusting to the Lord. Every time that text comes back up and you work to memorize it. And when you're done laying it at the altar and you take communion, you remember the promise of what's to come. Remember it. Remember it. My friends, lean into the light. Thanks for listening to Sunday Sermon on the Made for More podcast. If you are not connected in a church community, we would love to connect with you. Send us a message on social media or fill out a digital next steps card at encountertrinity.com slash next steps. <laughs>